0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. Here with me today is Samantha Arsenal Livingstone. She has been a perennial guest on the show, and we're thrilled to have her back. Sam, how are you?
1: Oh, it's so good to be here with you and have this time and share this space and love what you're doing in, in the Coach's Corner. So grateful to be here.
0: Really appreciate it. We love having you on. What is the schedule for you this coming year in terms of reaching out to athletes, parents, teams, coaches?
1: Oh my goodness! So I am really fortunate to be working alongside of two programs, so one high school program and one collegiate, in a really high touch way. So getting to spend time on the ground with coaches and athletes there, and then have my one-on-one mentorship running, and and that one's a wraparound, so it's parents as well as the athletes, which is really exciting. Um, and then balancing that with my own four kids and their ever-evolving sports schedule. So yeah, some speaking events, some news, some things in new england. so so lots of exciting things planned, all really centered around this conversation of elevating well-being and also unlocking new levels of performance. So, yeah, pretty pumped. It's a great
0: cool. it's a great segue into our topic today, and we're mm-hmm. we're talking about coaches' mental health and wellness, and coaches helping to find helping athletes and parents to find balance and finding balance within their own lives. You have so many balls in your court Mm -hmm. that you're managing throughout the course of a fiscal year. Mm -hmm. What are some strategies that you use before you get into helping us understand? Mm -hmm. What are some strategies that you use personally in your family that you and Rob, who Mm -hmm. I know is a great partner with you in this, how do you guys manage this crazy schedule together? Yeah,
1: and he's a coach too, right? So collegiate strength and conditioning coach. So we start, honestly, we start with our values. Like we really do circle back up to reconnect. And it's right usually right around July into August. As So we're up in New England and our girls just started school this week. So at, at that kind of reset space, taking a look at like what's working, what's not working. I think that's such a powerful question. And figuring out, like we have sort of rules that we go by around how many activities our kids can do per sports season and figuring out where is is where we're spending our time where we want to spend our time you know i think for those that are familiar with my story those who aren't like we we experienced a near death experience with one of our girls almost 9 years ago and that like shook us to our core to really be able to root back into what is important right so that's kind of an annual thing that we do. And then we do it. It's not just once a year. We do it throughout the year as well. If we're feeling a little off balance and then practical, like I'm not a salesperson for it, but like I probably should be. We use, I have a, and actually Rob does a planner pad. Have I shared that with you before? I love this thing. So it's a funnel system where you have buckets. Cause what you say, like all the balls in the air of like running a business and then being able to nurture and care for the clients I have and take care of my own kids and myself That you know, so it starts with buckets at the top, and you don't need the pad to do this, but it's just like, what are the roles that I have in my life, and making sure that one of those roles is you, like me. So it says self, and then checking in every week, so every Sunday, with what is it that I'm doing this week, like where are we at with these things, what's pressing, and then kind of pulling on what needs to get done this week and on what day. And then the next one is appointments throughout the day, of like, how am I spending my time. Because what, you know, is like if we don't schedule time with ourselves or with our family or partners, like it kind of just falls away, right? So, and it doesn't make it. So, and it has a cost, right? And as I sit here, I don't have it all figured out. Like I constantly have to remind myself to put down the illusion of urgency to take care of, like, it's okay to take a break. Like all that stuff that's so conditioned, right? In our culture, especially in sport, especially in swimming. I think that's the cool part of the work I'm doing now is being able to see the culture within other sports, not just swimming. Um and swimming has a unique culture of like this is really no end, right? When it comes to one season rolls right into the next. So yeah, so taking care of myself, I would say, is how we pull the balls and also being able to put down the ones, right? That we don't necessarily need like you have to say no to some things to say yes to the things that matter. I think that's the hard part,
0: yeah. That's incredibly insightful, especially yeah. for where I am right now in, in trying to manage our team and our business. Mm-hmm. And I constantly have all of these things pulling me in different directions. Mm-hmm. And we have to create, and you said it, that urgency list. Yeah. What are those top priorities? They have to be our family. Mm-hmm. And while we're going through that, we have all of these other people that mean a lot to us and that we care a lot about, right? We mm-hmm. have our team we have our coaches, we have their lives that we feel responsible for sometimes, Mm -hmm. and it's a lot. And sometimes you get pulled in a direction that you think is the right one. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have time for yourself to create that space, whether it's working out or meditating or doing yoga or whatever it is, our coach brain is going at a hundred miles an hour and we forget and the forget turns into neglect for other things, right? Mm
1: yeah cuz we're humans truly and i think that that one of my favorite like teachers who i learned so much from talks about like when we're when we buy into that like high paced like that fast paced culture of like all the things and we're kind of like losing our way and connecting with what's important to us we can so easily like we slide into just disease right like we just like something's got to give whether it's held in our physical body or it's relationships, so there's a cost to all of it, um, and I think that that can be really hard. Like you're saying, without those resets to even know that it's happening, I I'm, I'm, I feel that right. So if it's been a while and I'm I'm traveling for a bit or work, like pausing to check in, and that might mean alone time, and that's hard with a family and you know, doing all the things. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be going away for a weekend. It could be just an hour. It could be 10 minutes. Being outside with nothing, no devices. So, yeah, it's a work. I think one of the pieces that's really important in that is that there's not a perfect way and there's not a right way. And so the key is meeting ourselves when we're in those spaces where things are feeling like dysfunctional, maybe even just like so off balance that we meet ourselves with kindness and grace instead of being angry that we're there or fighting ourselves because that's not going to help us move through it. Right. Even though. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I think what you're saying is it's really important for us to stop and hit that pause button and mm-hmm. say, okay, I could have 25 minutes extra with my kids today, or mm-hmm. I could do these two parent meetings that these are the only days those parents can meet this week. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. In Founders- my younger
0: coach brain, I'm I'm gonna meet with those parents because I'm thinking this is my responsibility. This is my job. This is how I take care of my family, but taking care of your family is over here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But mm-hmm. that priority shifts because we feel as coaches that we need to take care of everything. We get that text at 1030 at night when you're sitting with your wife or your husband and you think to yourself, I got to get this done. Mm-hmm. We've all of a sudden ruined whatever moment that, that we had.
1: Yeah, I can. So on the flip side of, so, similar coaching, right? Just in a different capacity with what I do and had a message come in. So, it's like I was on a long work stretch. I come back, we had a family vacation planned, and it was like crisis hit. And so, yes, yeah, like what do you do in this situation? How do I navigate this and honor my boundaries of what matters most? Like, that's it's that is not anyone that says, like, oh, it's easy, just like unplug. I want to know more from them. They actually do that because we're humans who care. I mean, that's why we get into the coaching profession, teaching profession, because we care about the people that we're helping to develop. And so being able to have clarity around those boundaries. So that's where I feel like the growth for me happened where I kind of went upstream to say, what boundaries can I put in place? And people kind of cringe, I used to with the word boundaries It's simply saying like, what's okay, what's not and providing clarity ahead of time. So that when that situation happens, it's like, okay, here's here are my guideposts. That doesn't mean we don't ever break from them. Like they don't have to be super rigid. And having them in place allows us to anchor back into it and ride that wave really of like that urgency. And we might have to, you know, get up from the family for a minute, shake our bodies, like do some push-ups, whatever works for you to, to reset, to be able to put it down or write, you know, dump our thoughts. The idea though, that, balancing like again that what matters most i think that we, that's in that's inner work like no no one out there is going to tell you what the right thing to do is or here's how you should do it right you've got to decide how you want to show up so yeah
0: not easy <laughs> not easy And and one of the things that you mentioned earlier was that we're human and we're flawed and we make mistakes <clears throat> and i think oftentimes in our work mm-hmm. when maybe somebody doesn't have a great season or you know, maybe we didn't interact with a board member the way that we would have hoped, or maybe mm-hmm. we're feeling stress from a certain group of parents that might leave the team. All of a sudden you start to think to yourself, boy, uh, I'm not doing this right. Mm-hmm. I, I failed these kids over here. I'm not meeting the expectations of my boss or the expectations I have of myself as a club owner. It's, it's easy to feel like things are starting to slip away.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that is so. I would say that that if you're not familiar, like the negativity bias, like we're hardwired to actually see. I say hardwired. Cool thing is, it's not right. We has, our brain can change as we grow. The way that what you're talking about, like narrowing perspective, seeing only what's not, only what's not there, all the ways we're falling short, all the mistakes, the errors. Like when we can get into that space, that is part of like the adaptations, like of being human, and also can be really like it's. Slippery space. So, the language I use with kids is like keyholing. And our athletes do this too. It's like hyper focusing on only what's wrong or what the problem is. And so, that ability to zoom out and be able to zoom in when you need to, because that's a skill set, right? Like when you can look at the technical work an athlete needs to do or the training or look at your whole progression of the season plan, it's like being able to spot the places for growth. That's powerful. It's a high performance skill. However, when that's all that you're seeing, it can become it's contagious, and then it can start to shift very quickly from the places where we're falling short behavior-wise to what's wrong with me, like that I'm defective or I'm broken or I'm not enough, and that's shame and that's hard and heavy. So the ability to zoom, the skill to work on there is to zoom out, to be able to have checkpoints to notice that actually, or have someone around you who can mirror that back, like wow, you're, like this is you're re- re- really feeling sticky here on all the things that aren't to be able to take time that's at that reset, to be able to zoom back out, to see the big picture. Uh, and the same is true with the athletes, right? I, yeah. and,
0: and what I'm hearing you say is not only are these opportunities for us to pause, you use the word reset, mm-hmm. inside of that moment where we're processing all these things and we're feeling the weight of so many different things. Mm-hmm. Some that are real, some that we perceive to be real.
1: Yeah, we feel this, real still
0: right and is isn't that an opportunity in and of itself to to grow some clarity and say this is a chance for me to do hard things one mm-hmm. phrase that, that you like to use a lot i actually see it right behind you is that we can my do kids hard
1: writing, <laughs> yeah it's totally it's right and then it gets internalized like it's that's it's not i don't even know where maybe glenn and doyle i don't know who even said it first but it sticks because that and i would say the hard things and the teams and the athletes that I've had the honor to work with, like, when they do the work, the internal work, they'll say, like, because I joke, it's harder than any test set that you'll ever do. And it's like, at the beginning, it's like, oh, huh. and then when they do the work, they're like, yeah, true. That's true. That's actually true. So, yes, I think the idea of being able to pause and pay attention to see our emotions as allies, like, not the thing to fight against, but to actually pause and go what am I feeling and what is that emotion telling me like what am I thinking where am I falling into another phrase that I use with athletes is like thought holes like cognitive distortions fancy word in psychology but they're thinking errors like where am I starting to see these patterns emerge so that I can notice them and use that as information because maybe you're stirring like getting to the core of like what actually is underneath it well you care it's a conflict with the parent coming to that space of mutual understanding that you both care about the development of this athlete this human being getting there and then figuring out okay where do we want to move from here so I think that internal work is that's the key using it as information and messaging and messages instead of trying to be the thing that we fight against yeah
0: It's so true for both coaches and athletes, and you're illustrating it so well. And and the process behind it. One thing that I read in your blog a long time ago that I always appreciated was, oftentimes when we're going through struggles like this, or or we don't feel like we're enough. Mm -hmm. You use the phrase that we block ourselves from seeing our own greatness.
1: Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. And actually, you asked another thing that I that I got going on this year is like taking the teachings and the work and like that's exactly it's like opening up an academy for athletes, approaches for teams. And that's the whole concept is unblocking, like on un- up-leveling, like hitting that next level. And that it, it and we we cannot get there when we're fighting what we're feeling, when we're feeding ourselves up. Like that's that old school notion of like mental toughness is like just be a jerk to yourself, beat yourself up, or even like coach coaching style of managing with fear and gripping tighter like even parenting, like that we know that doesn't work it might work a little bit but the cost is so high so this idea of being able to turn inward and have the skill set that allows us to be pulled by wonder instead of like pushed by fear and that constant we just we can't access the flow state that peak performance until we are able to, to really fully embrace like the humanness. Now, can we touch performances when we're in those spaces like I did, right? And when I like look at my performance um, on top of the podium and this, I'm totally tangenting, so feel free to cut this out if you want, but my girls, my youngest hadn't seen me raised. So this has, this is connected. My girls were at my parents' house, they pull up YouTube and they find the video for her to watch. I was so emotional watching that and really for a whole lot of reasons was pride there, but the overwhelming feeling was sadness for that girl because she was so sick. Even though I performed at that level, I'm left with now what I know is wondering like what could have been if she had been healthy, holy. And that's a space where we then become afraid of it. It's like, we're afraid of our own power and greatness. So I think some of us tend to self-sabotage because it's safer comfortable even though it's not so yeah so that idea of oh, I could you know I could talk about this stuff forever but I that know. idea of unlocking it yes yes
0: well I, I think I think a, a commonality between coaches and athletes is that both coaches and athletes oftentimes get caught up in the world of comparison mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. as coaches we're constantly trying to quantify our success explain our failures we're constantly in this place where okay what did i do right what did i do wrong and then we tend to shift to the wrong all the while telling the kids as ted lasso says to be a goldfish forget about the mistake move on go forward but we're not doing that yeah
1: it's not easy it's not easy so I, i have an interesting i guess it's my own spin on comparison is we're gonna, you're gonna notice differences. Like, so you're gonna notice differences. And I think what's happening when you go to that, like, it's like good, bad, right, wrong, like that is that dichotomous thinking that is not reality. So it's like a kid coming up and saying, oh, that was so bad, or that swim was bad. No, like, I will not tolerate that as a response and reflection. Cause in any race, even the best performances, there's always something that you can improve on. And there's always something that maybe you feel, or there's always something that you did well that you feel proud of. So this idea, of rushing to that space I think we do that because we're afraid to feel the discomfort of feeling like we're afraid of the emotion that's coming up for us now we go stretch that back a bit to say well where what is the emotion activated from it's our thoughts so it could be the event that happened in front of us like performance an athlete that's been putting in the work following your you know doing everything you've asked and it's still not there and you thought they were ready so there's massive disappointment frustration whatever it is that get your feelings so that event can activate thoughts which then activate emotions what we tend to do then is rush to make meaning because that's what our brains want we're uncomfortable so instantly we go to story so i think that problem with comparison like you can't stop comparing like that <clears throat> language like when you say like, i'm going to make it a mission my mission to stop comparing Like, that's not our human brain. We're going to notice differences. We're going to notice, especially in sport, where we land at a meet. Like, we're going to see where we rank because that's part of sport. So the power is in sniffing the storytelling around what it all means so that you can use that information to then inform your next best steps. So this idea of rushing through or shoving down the emotion, like skipping the step of feeling is not allowing us. Take in mind the gold from it to grow from it. So that idea of like be the goldfish that first of all, Ted Lasso, just love that. I wasn't, I was like avoiding it. And then this is amazing. Mm-hmm. That idea of we want to learn from them. We don't want to ruminate over them and like, and then go run away with story about what that, then that data point means about all of it. Cause then we go to that too. It's like one thing happens and then we're questioning everything or telling a story about it all. So, Yeah.
0: I, I so appreciate that insight because a, another thing that you had mentioned in a blog, I, I think it was a couple years ago, you, you mentioned that when we think about our thoughts, we oftentimes think of our negative emotions as truth. Mm-hmm. And we don't, I think you used the phrase, uh, we don't reality check the stories mm-hmm. we've constructed. Mm-hmm.
1: No, we totally, and that's, we totally assume that the thoughts that we think are true. And that can get really uncomfortable. So then you move into a space when we start to challenge what we're thinking. We can, it so Brene Brown describes that space, cognitive dissonance, as one of the most painful experiences for humans. So it's no wonder we don't like our part of our brain, right? Survival, reproduction, and then like avoid pain, discomfort. So to go there and go there willingly, right? We, we, that's really hard to do it's really hard to do when our bandwidth is like we have none and we're fried in our nervous system's fried. So that idea of pausing again, that, that reality, like the, the resets and the power of that or the power of the pause to check in with ourselves, these little windows open up space for us to say, what am I thinking? Like, what is the story I'm telling myself? And then do I know it's true? Like, how do I know it's true? And start to challenge that it is uncomfortable. And also I would argue, that that discomforts a lot less to carry navigate than the discomfort of continually beating ourselves up you know cuz yeah. it's like the path of two hearts, which one do you want to take
0: sure sure yeah. and 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 the, the power is in like the recognition of it right mm-hmm. the, the power is recognizing boy i'm i'm really hurting right now yeah and and where where do i go from here so mm-hmm. i'm i'm really hurting I'm going to, I'm going to allow myself some space to really be impacted by whatever just happened. Yeah. And, and now start to, to look up and say, you know, there, there's light up there. I got to start Mm -hmm. doing things to get to that point. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Because when we don't do that, it's going to pop somewhere. So then you talk about the relationship piece or family or whatever it is. Like when we leave the pool or we're leaving that meeting, it's like, we're going to we're human so things are going to seep into home also when we just try to shove it down or run away from it it's like it's going to come out somewhere right? right so that idea i think there's a there's a human fear and i'm not a trained psychologist right a clinician so this is like i come into this space from my work as an educator and also through the lens of mindfulness this fear that i hear from people is like if i feel it it's going to consume me and i won't, it won't i won't be able to turn it off so we're afraid of our feelings. Like we're afraid to feel it, because then then what? And the idea, what Susan David, who studies emotions and is the author of Emotional Agility, talks about is actually when we turn toward it and we name it, that's when we contain it. Like that's when we actually move through it faster so that you can move on to that next thing. Yeah. It's pretty and I say it but I smile because it's not easy and we're strong enough. Like we can do this. Like, I think that that's like collectively and coaches, my concern from the outside looking in and working with them, is like burnout is so real and it is so pervasive. And if we don't start to have these conversations and normalize it, like it comes with a cost, right? Pretty big cost. So
0: a major cost and, and not that any other career pathway or professional job Is I'm not comparing coaching to anything else, but the reality is, is you are gone every night. Mm -hmm. You are gone before anybody gets up Mm -hmm. and three weekends of the month, you're gone. Mm -hmm. And many of us are so entrenched in trying to create that success pathway for our teams, for our athletes, for our parents, for all of these people who have nothing to do with your own family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you could be the greatest husband father in the world family person in the world but mm-hmm. you if you're not making time to be around in the mm-hmm. moments that you're around everything feels like it's going to crumble mm-hmm. and yeah. this is this is the space where i feel like coaches need the most amount of help
1: yeah well cuz when we we it's the real rub of like what gets put down <clears throat> like what then do you put down like when things fall onto your plate, what does happen to them? And I think that idea, that's where you go big picture of like, what matters most? How do we want to operate? And like, what are you willing to, where are you willing to give a little bit so that you can get something here? Cause you can't, we just can't create more time. So it's like, what can you, what can you delegate? Where can you ask for help? Where can you boundary? And then you you're willing to deal with the consequences of that because of what you're getting in return. And then, you know, so restructuring of meets, like there's been coaches who have, have come up with creative ways to improve well-being among staff, like days that are scheduled off, like full days maybe during the week, or rotating, like when it comes to meets, when it comes to the meet schedule overall, like when you're taking a look at your season plan are you actually building in family vacation time like is that even a thing because especially down south I think early school date starts it's like you roll from juniors straight into school starting into the next season so like when's the break ever never it's just one thing you know and then you've got holiday trainings and so where like on labor day can that be a day of complete rest for you to be present with your family? And if no, right, kind of leaning into, I'm not saying right or wrong. And that's the part where you get to decide. But instead of turning outward to look for what the right way is, turning inward to say, if I took a day off, yes, there's time out of the water we're missing, dry land, et cetera. What am I gaining? What's the cost of it? And what you're gaining, well-being-wise, is really hard to capture and measure. And we're not like, we're not comfortable talking about it yet, but maybe you're gaining a more presence, you know, greater presence at home and that connection, which fuels you to show up differently in your work. Right. Because when we're burnt out, so you know, that idea of like pouring from an empty cup, well, I like, I like to think of it like we want to pour from the overflow, like what's flowing over the cup. So we're not constantly just trying to fill, 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 feeling like we're completely burnt out. So it's going to be uncomfortable we can't do it all so thinking of the big huge picture of your progressions and the places where you feel like you can't do something that's a, what i call like a red flag word where i would say okay let me get curious about that why am i thinking that's the thought like that's some story probably because it's been done before probably because a coach has had success this way like is there another way i can creatively move forward and restructure things so that I can honor what's important to me and the message that it sends to families like some parents might be upset about it maybe many parents like that's the other thing is that that fear that what will happen when I take this step you know
0: yeah your your response is perfect for my next question because I want to actualize some of this for you and you just addressed a lot of what I'm about to ask you I got a text this past week from a prominent coach, a very well-known coach, and I wanted to read it to you and, and kind of get your response. You just touched on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are getting out of coaching. I think the driver is facilities, the North and the Northeast, especially are seeing facilities raise the cost of pool time mm-hmm. where families are paying a small fortune and there isn't enough for salaries to keep going up for staff. Mm-hmm. I think it's happening in other sports too. And I think what drives early specialization is parents can't afford two sports from middle school on. Mm. This is putting a tremendous amount of pressure on coaches, Mm. especially here in the Northeast, to get people into your program, to be competitive with salaries, to keep Mm. coaches Mm. and say, oh, by the way, we're gonna pay you $50,000 a year to be an assistant coach, but you've gotta be here six days a week, Mm. 10 times a week.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Incredibly challenging,
1: right? Because how do you you do it for the love and then at what cost? Like you got to make it work for family.
0: And I think yeah. it's important for a coach to say to themselves in this climate right now. Listen, our society is changing. There's a lot of things happening right now. We happen to be the practitioners that are here in this moment, so we've we've got to come together. We've got mm-hmm. to collaborate as a profession and work towards these things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there's a lot. I mean, that's a whole. Topic in of itself, right? The sports special. I feel it as a parent. Like I feel it as a parent. And the rub of, I I sent you the video of my youngest doing backstroke.
0: That was great.
1: <laughs> like who's six, but none of them swim. I mean, we got pulled into hockey, so then you can't do both. Like you just right. It's like, yeah. it's really interesting. And and I think that idea, what you talk about, is like, can you coaching as a profession? So watching the evolution of the strength and conditioning profession. And how their organization, their like the at least the collegiate strength and conditioning association that my husband's a part of, they have pushed really hard for it to become a like professional. Like it's this professional job that is rewarded with appropriate pay. You know, it started out like way below what you could even survive on with the expectation similar. Like there were nights in, in his early in his career he's like sleeping at the office because like he was expecting to be there twenty-four hours a day. And so it's evolving. And I think it takes people in place and that the seeing coaches in this professional role, which then right is exactly what you're saying, like bleeds into this question of what, okay, then how do you support that? What do you need from parents in order to do that? It's, I don't know that there are easy answers. I think if we go to the human level for coaches, we have, th- those are questions we've got around with ourselves to say, what can I do? What works for me and my family? Like, what is, what is, what is, what am I willing to accept and not accept? And how can you create, when you're leading an organization like you are, how can we create a culture of well being that honors that time off and that rest? And so we've, as a family, like we know that dad's out of the house before they go to school and he's out of house for dinner time. Like, and we know the importance of, that. like, in the mental health space, dinner is important, family dinners. And also, Sometimes we have lunch together, or like you know, it's we have to be creative in releasing the idea, the like ideal of family to work with the schedule because these are our chosen professions, right? So I think there's also part of that the give and uh, take.
0: Yeah. What what a what a delicate, intricate dance for mm-hmm. people who are who are coaches. I mean, it mm-hmm. it is. Uh, Again, not to say it's any tougher than any other job, but the the scheduling certainly. Well, when you think
1: of you, you, I would say it's not not a competition. I think that, right, there's hard things with every job. And also like the magnitude of the impact, what you're responsible for, how you're interfacing with not only the athletes, the parents and your peers, like, and then you're doing this dance with the organization, the NGB, like all of that. there's There's so much that is on in place. Period. So I think it's I think it is important to acknowledge that like there is a lot, and at the end of the day, you're helping raising humans. That's a big task, you know.
0: That that's a really great point, and I'm glad you said that because we're so focused on X's and O's a lot of time. I think I think through the work of people like you and and others in the sport who have such compassion for the athlete experience because mm-hmm. of your own experience, mm-hmm. we're starting to create and move this needle of uh, mental health and well-being for both coaches and athletes to, to new levels every year, which has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and that's why we're so appreciative of the work that you do. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so important for us to remember at the end of the day, a swim is a swim is a swim. Mm-hmm. But when that kid who started in your program as an eight and under mm-hmm. is going off to swim in college, that's that's the success story, right?
1: Yeah. So- Again, cut what you want here, but Jake McGahey was one of my little eight thunders who's now at Georgia crushing it, right? And it's like so fun, even from like that little moment in time, right? That you get to work with someone to see their development and then to, on the back end of it as a human being to witness right. the growth, regardless of what level they get to, and to have to, like that's the connection that you're making, the impact that you're making when it comes to the lives that you're touching. I mean, so many so many every year and sometimes you won't know the impact that you're having
0: the the last thing I wanted to talk to you about Sam is um again comes from your blog and if if people don't know you know samanthalivingstone.com you have a blog up there that you update every once in a while and there's so much good information in there Mm -hmm. even just you know two or three sentences that you can take from each of them and then share them with your team or your staff Mm -hmm. um this this is coming from one of your blogs that I read a while ago too is that healing for us going through things whether it's an athlete whether it's a relationship with a parent whether it's a coach ultimately solving some of the issues that we have or bouncing back from trauma
1: mm-hmm. that
0: healing is is our responsibility and we mm-hmm. have to be open to that can you talk about that a little bit
1: yeah So I'm glad you brought up trauma actually, because it's like, that's something that every coach is dealing with every coach, because, you know, when we talk about trauma, it's basically an experience and we're like the the emotional experience, the impact stays with us. Right. And it changes our brain and there's no like qualifying. Sometimes we think, you know, for me and that near-death experience with our daughter, like people would say like, that's traumatic, right? It was traumatic also having unmet needs or like a parent that was absent when you're home, like not necessarily something that you go, oh, like that's trauma. And also it is and can be, right? So this idea of what we've endured over the last two and a half, three years collectively and all that we're walking into, not only our athletes, but ourselves, right? This idea of things have happened to us. And so instead of asking that question of like, what's wrong with them or what's wrong with me? It's like, what happened to us? And things happen to us. And like that idea, so you can take it from a grand scale of like external things happening to us, or even internally when we get a thought that pops up, right? Of like we're comparing again or we're having a negative thought that pops up automatically. That idea that those things happen, they have happened. Like we live, we're moving through the world and having these experiences. Our power is in how we respond to that. And healing from the trauma, healing from those painful experiences. If you want to just stay with that language, if that feels more comfortable and more uh, accessible, then I think we can be afraid because it's hard. It's hard work, right? But being able to take the experiences that we've had in the past, the painful stuff that still sticks with us, right? And it's impacting how we show up every day or in certain situations and learning what are our tools? It's like, what do I do when I'm super hooked? Like when I'm ruminating, or I'm feeling really like someone made a comment to me, and it just is like way disproportionate to what happened. But I'm feeling such swells of emotion. Being able to do that work with with a the therapist, with different modalities, so many modalities of healing. Um, when it comes to finding what works for you, it could be body work or energy work, it could be talk therapy, it could be. Um, there's all different kinds within like EDMR, somatic experiencing. There's a whole host of things that we can do to tap into or even working with a coach, right? Or just try, you know, some of the apps are helpful in that way for entry points and other ones, right? You might need somebody to help bridge you to that space. But that idea that we're not meant to do it alone, that's a huge thing. The, the soloist journey in sport, like it means more if I do it by myself, like we've got to toss that out. There's no gold medals, like doing it alone, no. And that idea of, yeah, like some of us have had a hard road and like, it's not fair, right? Like how it gets distributed, like, I don't know, like some things have landed on our plates. We've experienced that are not easy and our power is in how we respond to that. And so that from the, you know, the on a micro scale of in the moment, In the everyday, like, what are my go tos? Like, what are the things I need to be doing every day or want to be doing to take care of myself so that I'm in a space where I can function well? And then, what are those places and spaces where I might want to stretch back with the help of someone to figure out how I can heal from this? So, yeah, I mean, I could share more. I think we don't talk enough about trauma and the impact. Um, It infiltrates every aspect of your work and how you as a coach can show up with well intentioned, like, well meaning feedback and it's like activates the athlete in a way you just didn't see coming like you we just don't there's so much we don't understand about it and so much we do but don't talk about right and I don't think coaches have the space or bandwidth or necessarily the interest to learn all about the intricacies of it but there are things that you can do like leaning in with curiosity right like checking ourselves before we engage that small practices that can help Create what we call an education, like trauma-informed spaces, right? Where we can practice.
0: So yeah, did that answer your question? It did. It did, and and some, you know, I, I think uh, what you're talking about. Every single coach has gone through this, and 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 I want coaches to know that, like, it's okay. There are days where you're at practice, you're not your best self, yeah. and those are the days where you're not the best coach, yeah. because you're carrying so much. Yeah. And if that happens to you, that's totally normal, right? I think what, I think what a lot of us do is we think of the biggest names in our sport and, and we look at them as these, these people who, you know, don't go through the same struggles that we did. And they absolutely do. Everybody has something.
1: Yeah.
0: 100%. So you're, you are not failing to try to achieve your goals because you're having problems in your relationship or you're not connecting with your own kids and your own family. It happens to everybody in some way. Yeah. And if it is happening to you, the most important thing is to lean into it. As you say, mm-hmm. take an opportunity for curiosity about yourself. And that's, what's going to make you a better coach. That's, what's going to be able to leave those negative emotions and feelings that you have on the ride to practice and say, I'm okay like putting them in this space right now because I understand that if I'm going to be the best for these kids, I have to leave it here. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's real and true. And I think when we honor those boundaries, we also are teaching them really important lessons too. And like healthy boundaries create psychologically safe environments. That is important when we're talking about performance too, right? Like not just the well-being; it's important there. And also when we talk about performance, so that idea, I'm so glad that you, that's like my number one, usually leading is like five and five, right? Like all of us are struggling and it's so easy to see people and tell a story that they're not, and that's just not the truth. Yeah, we're humans. So the, the, the question then becomes like, how am I coping? Like doing, in, you know, taking inventory, like how am I coping? How am I coping with the stress? Where is it popping for me? Cause it's like, there we are coping. Then the next question is, is it working for me? Is it really truly serving me? And is it helping me show up how I want in my life? And that's where people, like when I did way back in 2018, the USA Swimming Convention, and I had post-its, people just kind of fill in, you know, finish the sentence. And what was so like jarring and also not surprising was things like, you know, turning to alcohol, like this, these are the ways that we're, I'm just numbing, like tuning out, we're overworking, like all the things that we do as humans when we're stressed and not allowing it to move through us. Yeah. So that's like the key is in, in the moment that you're having that thought of comparison or even big picture. It's like when we're up against that hard thing, our power is in our response. And so how we meet ourselves in that moment that's the moment we want to work on making sure that moment's in alignment like what, what matters to us
0: you know Same. Yeah. it's always a great conversation <laughs> we're going to call this part two of like a 20 part series <laughs> that we'll get to on coach's corner because there's just so many directions we can go in but we so appreciate your time and and we value your place in in our profession and mm-hmm. how you've been able to help coaches connect better with their athletes help athletes connect with their coaches mm-hmm. And help parents, athletes, and coaches go through the journey of sport with uh, the the insight and a, a level of awareness about why it's so important to be open and have communication mm-hmm. and talk about being healthy.
1: Yeah. And I think what's so cool is when you start to see the coaches and the parents actually say like, wow, like things are coming together because there's still that fear of like, if we really do this, like, if we really pause to have this awareness is it going to crumble? So, yeah, thank you for bringing attention to it and having me on and inviting me and in. I love our conversation.
0: Anytime, Sam. How can yeah. people get a hold of you if they if they're interested in the work that you do?
1: Yeah, so samanthalivingstone.com is probably the best way. And then there's a place to connect and then I reach out and respond maybe not immediately within 48 hours usually. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I'm excited. I'll be sharing uh, probably mid-October that launch of the Academy, which is really exciting. So I've got some teams in there already having good experiences. So I'm pumped. So that will be up on that website as well.
0: Well, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Best thanks. best to you and the whole family. <laughs> Hope we can catch up someday up at Emerald Lake. I know,
1: at Emerald, there you go. Yes, yeah, for uh, sure.
0: Listen, have a, have a great uh, holiday weekend coming up and uh, all the best to you.
1: You too, thanks, Mike.
0: Thanks so much.